Voices. We hear them every day. Some voices, like mine, are smooth and comforting. While, on the other hand, the Chad and Cheese podcast is like listening to a Nickelback album. You'd rather stab yourself in the ears with an ice pick. Anyway, you're now listening to Voices, a podcast series from Chad and Cheese that features the most important and influential voices within the recruitment industry. Try not to fuck it up, boys. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Voices, our uber popular series where we talk to really smart people to help make ourselves look even smarter. Yes. I am your co-host of the Chad and Cheese podcast, Joel Cheeseman, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Chad Sowash. And today, we welcome KJ from Jovio, founder and CEO, industry icon, and overall product leading badass. KJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, guys. Glad and excited to be here. Excellent, man. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. We will talk we're a little pro- programmatic, but we're not going to get there just yet. We're going to build up into the crescendo on that bad boy. First off, thanks for coming on. Second, for voices, one of the big reasons why we wanted to do voices is because there are plenty of people that are out there who have really ex- expertise steeped in this industry, steeped in technology, and you are one of those dudes. Give us a little bit of uh, kind of like a history of KJ. Why did you get into this industry? Tell me how and just kind of, let's flow through it. And then as you do that, we'll probably hit you with questions and whatnot. Tell us about your mother. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Into the industry. What happened? I worked uh, before um, Monster for a couple of other startups in India. Uh, one was the biggest uh, uh, B2B marketplace in India at that time. It's like the Alibaba of India. So I was always interested in learning how to see you know, things shape up from a seed stage to a, uh, uh, to a much more advanced, uh, you know, grown-up tree stage. And how does this transition take place? So Monster was just starting out in Asia Pack. Uh, I was one of the very first employees. What what year was that? It's actually a few months after you list, uh, left Monster, uh, Chad. It was about uh, in uh, uh, July or August 2001. Gotcha. When the glory year started after yes. Chad left. <laughs> <laughs> I said yes before, but I'm so. Uh, believe it or not, back in the day, we were trying to sell free jobs because we wanted an option to happen. And and, and from there on to uh, when I moved from Monster APAC, uh, managing their, uh, having managed some you know, a product for APAC, uh, sales for part of India, uh, managing the cross-border sales. So we called global sales at Monster at that kind of time for APAC to the US. Uh, we had grown to, I think if I'm not wrong, more than 2,000 people just in Asia Pack. And uh, that was that was phenomenal, right? It is just uh, from the first ten to two thousand journey in like uh, a matter of three to four years was, was you know you, I think the world hasn't seen a growth like that, like that dramatic in that that short frame of time in any division, and at least in in our industry that I have knowledge. So, a lot of what I learned uh, over there, uh, what was really exciting for me is my job was to travel within APAC, 
to meet uh, the heads of talent acquisitions recruiters about the cultural nuances of this countries their countries why someone recruit in a certain way why not what are the latest and greatest in recruitment tech out there and then when i moved to the us and monster it was uh, it was even more right now i was not only looking at cross border sales in apac middle east africa eastern europe russia turkey latin america but just an amazing experience to be a you know like a like a subject matter expert of of knowing everything that happens in the world of recruiting outside of north america and bring that knowledge back to our multinational customers and monster had some really big ones back in the day by the way like spending millions of dollars and and go in front of those global heads of talent acquisition and say this is how you're recruiting worldwide this is what you're doing right and wrong and this is the new wave coming well well that being said kj monster back in the day tried to take their us business and really just carbon copy it all over the world with you know monster uk and monster canada and monster this and monster that and it failed uh it, it for the most part in in many of those different countries were you a part of that group and, and helping them and, and advising them on how to do it. Were you part of that group that failed? Or the group that actually helped them get it right? That's such an interesting question. And, uh, you know, only someone who knows the inside would actually ask that question. Uh, so, yes, there was a one size fits all kind of approach that was there. And that was not going to work when you're talking about people with so much of a cultural. Like, for example, in, in India, you call a grad as someone who's done bachelor's. Here you call. So mm-hmm. just that, when you're looking at a resume and say, hey, I'm looking for a grad, but the person is something else. So uh, so uh, as a product manager, along with my executive leadership at that time, uh, we took a very hard call to de-link the monster platform and create our own platform. And that is the reason why APAC grew that dramatically. Ah. So we were the first country and perhaps the only region to have done that and said, we will create our own monster so for all practical purposes, it was the same company, but the entire technology, website, everything was created from scratch. Gotcha. So when you're talking about like today, we see a bunch of companies in the U.S. Uh, start here because this is really you know where a, a shit ton of the money is. And then they, they've got to move globally for, for many different reasons. Do you see the same issues happening as they're building and they're just really just trying to carbon copy and a carbon copy is not going to work? Or are there more, I would say, more attuned companies today than there was back in the, the old monster days? Well, I, I would say that definitely is changing, but it's changing too slowly. Uh, companies are still failing and not just in our space, but otherwise more often than not uh, in going to international, not getting it right. Uh, like even large, large multinationals, even when they become like billions and billions of dollars of companies, don't go to China. A small little company like uh, us, we were in Bobold, we went to China and we had companies which were Lenovo back in the day. Lenovo was huge, uh, Huawei as our customers. And the point I'm trying to make is it can be done right if you just know how to. And companies are still messing it up all over the place. It's better. Uh, at least the sensitivity, the realization is there that you got to act local like McDonald's, right? Uh, uh, the burger McDonald's yeah. sends sales in India is something you would have never heard of, right? <laughs> so, so. They, are, yeah. they started getting there, but it's it's taking time. So they're, they're really rushing into the market as opposed to taking their time and really figuring out how the culture is and doing their research. Is That's that's what I'm hearing. Is, is that correct? That's one. That's a very important thing. Do primary research, right? Uh, the, the multinational global managers sitting in headquarters should not think that just because they do some secondary research, they know the country well enough. Uh, 
the number two is uh, uh, trust your local management uh, uh, give them uh, don't don't bound them by corporate tacts and, uh, and boundaries and mandates uh, let them create a new version of you in the local countries uh, and 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 i think the combination of these two would work right uh, doing primary research you get to sensitize like for example i have not worked in uh, brazil but if i go there i will actually go on the ground meet at least 35 40 customers uh, i'm just trying to make it up right like if i were to go in mexico right. or 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 anywhere else i will do that to get a feel and then knowing that no matter how much i do i'll never be local and then trusting your local management to actually lead that way but now when they talk to you you know why they're talking in a certain way you know the reason why you know the cultural nuances why and that when it comes together actually creates music you were at monster for a very long time you saw the rise uh, the fall and then the the attempt to come back from sort of the 2008-9 Great Recession. I'm curious just sort of your overall take of the business, the leadership, how things changed. Um, was it all on the Great Recession that really caused Monster to collapse? What What's your take on, on the history that you were there? Sure. I think I'll call two phases of Monster history, right? Uh, I would see Monster as... Uh, uh, Pre-Andy McElvey, like uh, Andy McElvey and post-Andy McElvey. Uh, Andy McElvey was, of course, you know, the owner of BMP, and he was an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, he he actually, you know, his executive team respected and worked with Jeff Taylor, who was the founder of Monster. And 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 at that time, teams were empowered, right? They were innovative. They were failing fast. Uh, they were correcting fast. Uh, and uh, whatever happened, right? And uh, Andy had to step out for you know the legal reasons. Uh, and I guess uh, at that point of time, that uh, DNA of uh, constantly trying to innovate rapidly and see what works, what does not do, uh, that kind of that that thing was a little bit missing. And uh, and uh, of course, right when the when the downturn happens, the downturn creates a massive opportunity. Uh, and uh, Monster was very much a great sales and marketing company, right? Even the best uh, uh, ad campaigns that perhaps have been created in our industry, you still remember, you know, when I grew up at that ad at Monster, right? So they were, they were great sales yeah, and marketing engines. But what they didn't realize, the world was changing and the tech and the product and the person who does that better than anybody else is going to be the ultimate winner. It's like the reason why uh, Tesla became what it became today, right? It's Amazon. It's, it's, it's all of these companies were built on a solid tech foundation to deliver scalable results. And that's where uh, uh, someone was coming from. The, you know, you could not even see in the rear view mirror. Uh, and the likes of Indeed came in and just literally zoomed past Monster. And I think that's where Monster had to do catch up. And if they had reacted on time, it would have done well. What's your take on uh, Salai Anuzi and, and his his sort of you know strategy? He seemed he seemed like a, a a Wall Street guy that was hoping to get as much shareholder value as possible, as opposed to innovation. Sal was an idiot. An idiot, yeah. <laughs> I would say things could have been done a lot, lot better. <laughs> uh, for leading a tech uh, a company, you needed a tech leader and tech mindset, and then person who, who deeply appreciates the the both marketing uh, and the tech side of the house. Uh, Monster was extremely, extremely sales driven, uh, but without innovation, without a leader driving the innovation, is what the point is, right? It's leader sets the culture, leader sets the the tone of what the company prioritizes, and and it was run like more of a brick and mortar company that time which was exactly the opposite of what it should have been done the in like you know the inbound uh, capture of the market share by the likes of indeed and linkedin kind of uh, fastened that uh, 
and down the hill uh, of monster but there, there was i mean there there was definitely an an ego that monster had that nobody was going to take you know their mountain from them and I mean, many of us who were, I was actually on the outside at that time. I saw Indeed coming and I saw exactly what they were doing. The whole Trojan horse uh, scenario wasn't really that much of a Trojan horse. Everybody could see exactly what was happening. The only problem was Monster didn't think they were susceptible to breach and they were totally breached and they were taken. Until about 2010-11, Chad, I even saw that uh, uh, there was a whole general mindset of dismissing LinkedIn as a threat. Well, you know, like they're already 3x or 5x bigger than you are, right? Uh, Or indeed for that matter, right? And, uh, you know, like even I've heard the the, the feedback that nobody who is a serious job seeker would ever apply to a job on a mobile device. And that was the reason why, you know, it was not an interesting thing for monster to do can monster be saved i'll tell you one thing right you got to build up on your strengths anything anytime in life right uh, you when you are in down you got to identify that strength and build up on it i will tell you one thing marketing has been monster's strength for whatever it is the dns still continues to be that uh, the brand is still strong right uh, i would walk on the road and i ask people do you know monster i said hell yes absolutely Everybody knows it. If your brand has a value, people, companies take forever to build brands. Well, the, the pushback on that is a whole new generation of people think Monster is an energy drink and not a job site. So wouldn't you agree that you, they've lost a generation branding wise? They have lost a generation. But if you see, right, still, I would say a, a significant number of jobs. And I, you know, I'm taking a wild guess in five, seven years. If you look at the working life of a person of 30 years or 35 years, uh, if the, the plot was lost in seven years, you lost about 20% of the the workforce who does not know Monster. So if they capture the 80% right again, uh, I think the rest 20% will automatically start gravitating towards that. There has to be a, right? There's always a way to have a comeback. Yeah, well, I, yeah, the problem is you've got the the good side. They're now owned by Ronstad, who is a, I mean, they're a money-making machine. The bad side is they're, owned by Ronstad, they're a money-making machine who focuses on EBITDA and return and Monster's not giving them that return. So I think the, the the perspective pro to this is also the con because Monster is not performing and because they're really on old technology. And to be able to pay that technical debt, to be able to build something new and really strive in a in a landscape that has all these amazing startups, they're not in acquisition mode. So I really believe that their chance of being that marketing engine, like you said, is gone because they're owned by Ronstad and they're going to pinch pennies and they're not going to acquire for new tech. So therefore, guess what? I feel like they're going to be dead. Yeah, I agree. And I'll add that uh, from a, from above, you've got Google in the game now. Uh, you know, We're hearing a lot of people talking about Facebook actually being serious. You have LinkedIn and Microsoft partnered together. I just There's no innovation and they're not so big that they can't fail, which I think is in, they're in a really, really bad position, uh, just like CareerBuilder and a few others. Yeah, I guess you're right, right? I guess sometimes uh, perhaps it's my 10 years of monster that you know I feel some sort of attachment to. Sometimes maybe perhaps it is because I've interacted with even the current uh, leadership team and in marketing and I see the kind of quality they have is, is actually pretty top-notch from the top drawer. And uh, and I yeah. believe that uh, even product team, there are some really cool people out there. And I think it's just, I think what monster needs is stitch it together, uh, uh, do it fast. Uh, but I, I would not, if I was you, I would not write off Monster. 
uh, till yeah. till till you don't see monster at all i will not because uh, <laughs> we have seen uh, the phoenix rising from the ashes look for more episodes of voices this chat and cheese podcast series devoted to stories and opinions of industry leaders subscribe on itunes google podcasts or wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a single show for more visit chadcheese.com you've got questions we've got answers business leadership ownership and sales can be challenging tune into the accelerate your business growth podcast to learn from the world's experts join me your host diane helbig as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.